Welcome to Collaboration RA. This podcast is dedicated to our profession, allowing us to share who we are, what we bring to the field of radiology, and how we care for the patients we serve. We look forward to hearing from you. Find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. We appreciate you listening, and we're glad you're here. Now let's collaborate. Welcome to this new episode of Collaboration RA. I'm Reese, and I have Marceline with me. Hello. All right. So very special episode this week. We have combination guest host with us. First, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Melissa Pergola. Dr. Pergola is the CEO and executive director of the world's largest radiologic sciences organization, the American Society of Radiologic Technologists, better known to us as the ASRT. She is a registered technologist with over 30 years of experience and holds an additional certification in mammography. Dr. Pergola has served as a volunteer for the ASRT, the North Carolina Society of Rad Techs, and many other organizations. She is dedicated to the imaging field and guiding those who aspire to be in leadership and working with those currently in leadership roles to enhance their knowledge, skills, and elevate their leadership styles. Throughout her career, she has held many positions, such as clinical instructor, leadership roles, as well as a radiographer, and leading and developing programs. And supporting the imaging professionals from all over the world, Dr. Pergola, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Before we go on, I will say, just today, I did get some mail from you, some ASRT document saying uh-huh. that I owe you money. That's so- a renewal. That's a- <laughs> you know what? By the end of this podcast, you're going to understand why you need to turn that in immediately. Well, I just want to make sure. Do I go ahead and make the check out to you? Uh, Uh, Yes, that's (laughs) P-E-R-G-O-L-A. Okay. All right. (laughs) So next, I hope I don't owe this person money. I will introduce Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith also serves as the current president of the American Society of Radiologic Technologists, as we just said, the ASRT. He has more than 10 years of experience in the medical imaging industry as a certified technologist. He's worked in radiography, interventional radiology, and imaging informatics. Currently, he holds a position as an application specialist in educational services and customer excellence. Mr. Smith has served in various roles with the ASRT and is extremely passionate about the profession and enhancing the voices of those who work within medical imaging and radiation therapy. When the podcast first started out, Brandon was one of our earlier guests. You guys may recognize him from his prior episode called Modality Proud and Professionally Purposed. Brandon, of course, as always, I'm excited to speak with you again. Thanks for coming back on with us. Good evening. I appreciate you all for having me. This is exciting. I always enjoy catching up and talking with you and Reese. So we're going to dive in. Reese and I reached out and wanted to kind of visit with you all. I don't serve on any professional societies, but I know that I've worked closely with a lot of our professional societies. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes and so many things that I think us as imaging professionals don't realize goes into our societies. So I thought that it would be really nice to be able to hear some of the exciting things that y'all are working on and then just sharing a little bit about what our societies do for us. And just really highlighting some of the positives that I think sometimes we don't necessarily see, but are happening. Thank you guys for accepting our invite and coming on with us. I think it'll be a a good time, a little party. Thank you for inviting us. 
first, I'd like to start off by saying congratulations to both of you, because in June, y'all both got recognized for the positions that you are currently holding. Dr. Pergola with you as the new CEO and Brandon Smith with you stepping into your role as president. So congratulations to you guys. I am excited to see what y'all do. I have really good feelings about it. You know, I've been following the ASRT pretty closely and just seeing how things move and just the structure of it. And so I'm excited. I think good things are going to come. So, Melissa, I will go out on a limb and say that the majority of our listeners really doesn't know what the CEO of the ASRT does on a day-to-day basis. Could you kind of walk us through what you do on an average week or month, kind of fill us in on what that job entails? Wow. Average day or week. I would say there's nothing average about any of my days or weeks. They're all very different. You know, Dr. Sal Martino, everyone is well aware of our past amazing CEO. He told me before I started this job that it was a 24-7 and there was no way that he could convey that to me. And it is true. I equate it to before I had children and people said, you know, you really can't expect what it's going to be like until you have them. To give you some examples of some of the things that I do, I travel quite a bit to represent our profession. As a matter of fact, coming up, Brandon and I are traveling to be the liaisons to SDMS and provide a report in the next couple of weeks. Then I leave there and I've been asked to speak about the relationship between the radiologic technologist and the radiologist at the Pennsylvania Radiological Society meeting with our radiologist cohort. So there's a lot of travel, a lot of representing internal meetings and a lot of departments at the ASRT that probably many of the general public and our members don't know about. So I have a staff of over 100. We have a full research department. Of course, you're aware of our full advocacy governance department. We also have a very strong government relations team. I spend a lot of time with them working on strategy with how do we promote and protect the profession. We also have our amazing member services that answers all the calls and uh, professional practice. There are just so many things that are happening on a daily basis where I am at the strategy level of really fulfilling what the board has set in terms of our direction and directing this amazing staff of 100 people who are fully living and engaged in the purpose and so proud to be representing our profession. So I don't know, in terms of a a regular day, I would say it's a lot of meetings and strategy and operations and all focusing on really helping us fulfill the mission of elevating and advancing the profession. I love that y'all are going to give that lecture in Pennsylvania. I'm a little bit jealous that I can't be there. Yeah, I kind of want to be there too. Yeah, the technologist and radiologist relationship Mm -hmm. is so imperative to the workings of a department and the flow. And it really ties back to better patient care. And it's just a relationship that, I mean, it has to be there, right? We all work together consistently every single day in our departments. I love, 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 love that. I would love to hear that. Well, (laughs) and one of the things when I was asked to speak by the ACR, We decided that we would create a presentation that then could be used by our affiliates. And so they could reach out to their radiologist counterparts, the chapters of ACR, and also ask to speak at their conferences because it is so important, right? It's about building that relationship and building that mutual respect. I'm very excited about it. 
like I said, hopefully it'll be a template and something that we can use further to continue to have that conversation. So I think it's worth for our professionals to know that conversation or this action stemmed from a conversation that occurred at the ACR, where we decided as a group from our profession to the radiologists that support needs to be tangible and seen outside of a meeting room. And so this is one of the results of a meaningful conversation with tangible actions. Yeah. And we've said it, a couple of technologists that we've visited with on episodes before, I think as we moved into digital and us as technologists weren't going back into the reading rooms quite as frequently, you know, I think you saw some of that relationship on our side of things tend to kind of lessen and then their reading list continues to grow. And so I just think that you have seen where the shift of having that relationship has evolved along with our technology. And so it's just finding that pathway back to it. I really like that. I think it's going to do really good for our departments because we do. We work so closely with them. Yeah, you're right. We've already established the fact that I'm old with how many years I've been in the profession, but <laughs> I grew up. That was Reese. Oh, thanks, Reese. But I grew up sitting beside a radiologist, right, having to hang films for them. And really, I think that they saw us more as a partner at that time. There really was that relationship. And it's not just our responsibility. It's the radiologist's responsibility to continue to foster that relationship. Mm -hmm. Hopefully something great will come of it. Oh, I think it will. Even just discussing it alone and recognizing that that gap exists in itself is a huge accomplishment. And it's what pushes you forward. And those are the conversations that sometimes we don't want to have, but they're necessary to have. Okay, Brandon, you're up. We want to know about your role as you stepped into president, because last time that we visited with you, you were president-elect. So now that you've stepped into this role, kind of explain maybe what you thought it would be like and what it's been, or just kind of how you've seen it all and how it's progressed for you. I'll make a simple correction. The last time we talked, I was campaigning to be president-elect, and I didn't know how that was going to go. That was a while back. So I definitely appreciated being on and being able to speak about the profession in a way that I don't think traditionally has been as visible and enunciated outside of choir practice. That's what I like to call it. You hear me use that phrase a lot, choir practice, because a lot of times what we do is choir practicing and not putting in concert. As you and I talked about before, and Dr. P got to see it firsthand, I don't think I've ever been so consumed in a week. Anybody who deals with me behind the curtain knows that I'm very intentional about the impact I want to deliver and what I promised to get here. Sometimes that's a lot. And so when it became real, and everybody knows Brandon doesn't mind talking, I was asked to rehearse my presidential speech, and I was very reluctant. Because I'm very intent, and Dr. P will tell you, anything that you see that's published with my name on it, nine times out of 10, 90% of that, I wrote it. I've established a rapport with our marketing team and our incredible marketing officer that I speak in a certain language, that I do my best to align with the ASRT, but I refuse to forfeit that to the message that we need to articulate. And sometimes it's a little more daring than not. My presidential speech was difficult because for the first time, I was facing a lot of different things. I was facing the promise of a tomorrow where we were rethinking, where I was going to say some things that may disturb some and people may perceive as provocative because what I thought we have traditionally done may have done us more of a disservice because we've collaborated so well with others and sometimes not champion ourselves in a way 
that has allowed us to be stuck in a rut while everybody else has been uplifted by our efforts and sometimes failed to turn around and reach and uplift us. One very hard aspect of my speech, I started off addressing my mother. I really believe in community. I had about 60 people from every walk of my life that attended our annual meetings that are not our teams and watch what it meant for the people who aid in your diagnosis, intervention, and therapy every day. And they got to truly understand what we represent in a hospital. That's probably one of the largest non-RT populations that our annual meeting has seen. It was very meaningful for me. All my initiatives require partnership. I got to unveil something I've been working on for the past two years. One, the general theme is creating an environment where people are able to connect with medical imaging and radiation therapy professionals before they become patients. ASRT will start to host an annual community-facing event that allows us to create a space to talk to people about what an RA does, what a radiographer does, sonographer, MR, CT. Don't get mad at me if I didn't name your modality, all medical imaging, radiation therapy, because the time to do it is not during the procedure. That person doesn't know if they have cancer. They don't know what their quality of life is going to look like. And where they appreciate you, that's not the time to focus on you. We want to connect with people so when they become patients, they remember who we are. So our first annual community-facing event, which will happen in May of 2024, is a 5K that will be hosted in Albuquerque. And so we're looking at some very neat things to do because, you know, people love to run. So why not run with RTs? Why not? Help us run the recognition. And it's so funny because you have some uh, of our more senior technologists that were sitting in the House of Delegates. They bring, we love the idea, but I'm not running anywhere, but we support it. I said, if you looked at my body habits, you can kind of tell I'm probably not running too much, but I am running it. You know, I just, I'm so counterproductive. That's one of the first initiatives. So that one is really wrapped around community. Next, really big initiative. We are establishing a program that will partner with hospitals that speak to what excellence looks like from a medical imaging and radiation therapy standpoint. So you have all these organizations with these grand awards and people are receiving these awards annually and it's never part of their performance evaluation. People are truly contributing to their profession, which I truly believe contributes to patient care and that's not being acknowledged. That some of the things that you do for your development is actually increasing the patient satisfaction at your facility also the revenue and bottom line. So just like you see DAISY programs in the hospitals, just like you see the Magnet program, the ASRT with our community partners is moving forward to have a comprehensive profile that establishes and acknowledges medical imaging and radiation therapy awards to include our technologists, our therapists, and our mid-level providers that says this is what a standard of excellence looks like. Instead of us recreating an award that is going to go unseen, the ASRT is moving forward to be the banner to bring all the awards together to look at a comprehensive profile across all uh, medical imaging radiation therapy organizations and mid-levels to say, these are the awards we hand out, and this is how we contribute to the hospital, patient care, and you as a business. Every president gets three initiatives. My initiatives, in order for them to be chosen, Dr. P had to be willing to partner with me. And then she fully understood that none of these initiatives will be completed in my presidential term. And so she allowed to partner with me so that we together as a board and a leadership team 
are putting our profession on a trajectory to the world's largest medical imaging and radiation therapy association that we are buying into a culture that celebrates us, that is driven by us, and that will never allow the discount of us again. And so the last of which, the age-old argument and the, the family recipe nobody knows the answer to is what makes us professional. We decided to take on the monumental task that we, the American Society of Radiologic Technologists, along with our community partners, are going to define what professionalism means for us. We are going to establish metrics that we can measure those things that will tie in with the recognition and partnership with hospitals. And we are going to inevitably build our case to then petition the Department of Labor and Statistics to advance our professional status. Not because we say we're professional, but we're showing through evidence-based practice, metrics, and the science of how we positively contribute to patient care. Overall, the three initiatives I just talked to you about exist on an algorithm. Visibility, recognition, appreciation, advocacy, and advancement. As we increase their ability to see us and what we do and our ability to see ourselves, they'll start to recognize us. Not as just people in scrubs, but what we do and how we contribute to their care. When they start to recognize us, they're more equipped to appreciate us, to understand how we create value, how that contributes to their care. While you're at home for the holidays, because of your diagnostic intervention or therapeutic care that was delivered by a technologist, a radiation therapist, or mid-level provider who specializes in radiologic science, advocacy, people will fight for the things they value. And then mm -hmm. when the community is fighting with us because they understand that we're not just a part of their care, we're a part of their community, then we will start to see more tangible aspects and demonstrations of us being able to advance. Because the people who are voting on legislation and things that impact our practice are not just professionals. They're people. They don't think about what we do until they become patients. And sometimes they're so overwhelmed that that doesn't matter then. And so those three presidential initiatives are an extension from President Danny Gonzalez's initiative of the national PR campaign. I won't jump ahead of, but we're in an era that if people refuse to see us, we will refuse to be ignored. We are no longer waiting for permissions or invitations. We will throw the party ourselves. I have the most amazing job in the world to work with a board that is this passionate and a president like Brandon, who is selfless. And is truly looking at how do we raise the visibility of this profession? How do we get the respect that we deserve? And how do you actually put a strategy and implementation in place to see real results? And so when you asked me about my job, this is my job to partner with this board and make amazing things happen with an unbelievably talented staff. I guess I just wanted to comment on how passionate Brandon is, how much he gives that people don't see of himself and how much this means to him and how lucky I feel that this just happens to be the job I get to get up and do every day. You've definitely been busy since we last spoke. Those initiatives, I think everyone can agree that that's exactly what we need or strive for in this profession. As soon as you were, you know, listing them off, I was like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Man, if we can make that happen, that'd be so great for us. I like your mentality, your approach to it. It's like, it's not a me thing, it's a, it's a we. You know, we're trying to do this all together. Yeah, that's just great. That sounds amazing. You know, you get elected 
uh, became the 91st president of the world's largest medical image and radiation therapy association, a 103-year history. And then it's, how do you feel? And my immediate answer was, I'm on a time clock. The moment they told me I was elected, I have three years to fulfill a promise. I want people to feel manifesting. I work for the ASRT full-time, and I, and I hope that shows more through my actions than intention and trying to make sure that's tangible. When you work on these things as a board, there's so many streamlined processes that have to be put into place. And especially if you want to do it right, you know, you're setting a program up for success. And to do that, you've got to give it structure. You have to make sure that everything aligns. How are we going to choose the candidates? How are we going to represent them in the proper way? How do we come up with this algorithm to find out who is the one that's eligible to receive it? I'm an instant gratification kind of person. So, you know, whenever I hear people say things, I'm like, it's going to happen tomorrow. As nice as that would be, sometimes these things take time. Our profession has evolved over years, but I love that conversation in a changing direction is happening. Even taking that step forward is an amazing step to take. It's just making sure that it's done properly. What I like to emphasize, because I've seen a, a conversation be delivered kind of short-sightedly, understand that the steps that we're taking today is built on the equity that we earned over 103 years. It's not an immaculate branding idea. It's not a Dr. P idea. The standard that started being met before and in 1920 evolved, and there was always quality. So what we have done is I think we've allowed technology to get a little bit ahead of our professional advancement and people taking that for granted. If you got a certificate in the 1930s, that led to the associate's degree that came in the 1990s, 2000s. It's not a lack of quality one to another. In order to keep up with these standards is the acknowledgement and the honoring of the past that set those fundamentals say we have to move the bar in order to meet the quality that you established. It's not an either or. And I think for a lot of the times, that's been the argument internally that people feel discounted. Unfortunately, maybe sometimes it's not presented for them to realize and appreciate this higher standard is being set because the quality you demonstrated in order for us to keep up with that trajectory, we have to push the bar. But they drove that. And so I want to be clear about my message. Because when we start talking about changing statuses, when we start talking about changing standards, people get upset. I am not an advocate for any one avenue. I am an advocate for advancement. So you showed me all of the metrics and what we need to reach to achieve our next level of success, and I'm willing to do that. But people need to understand that whatever standard they met when they met it is the reason why we have to push that chain for tomorrow. It's really, it's about honoring the past but about continuing to move forward, right? Because if we stand still, we're going to become extinct. So we have to continue to look towards what is the next great thing that we do? How do we continue to progress? It's just not standing still. It is honoring the past, but it's how do we continue to move forward and raise the bar? An evolution, mm -hmm. it's not a replacement. We yeah. could not build if somebody wasn't building before us. And we will always be very distinctive and clear about that. Okay, so as we talk about building on things and progressing forward and looking at things that we do for the future of our profession, some of the things that are behind the scenes and things that I don't think people always necessarily understand is how our societies function. Or I know that sometimes people feel like you're sitting idle. How come nobody's helping us? Or 
things happen in various states. And I've said this so many times, and especially in instances like Tennessee, where, you know, our professional societies can only do so much, right? They want to hear from the people that live within that state. And even the state society, they showed up, they advocated, but not a lot of the RTs within the Tennessee community went there and advocated open against having that licensure amended. And one of the things that I found pretty interesting that I learned throughout my research is that there are 18 RAs that are in the state of Tennessee. I don't know if they listen to the podcast or not, but I'm not sure if they were very active or very vocal in that. And so I think that affects them too. And as we talk about raising the profession up, I guess as we look at membership, I see the avenue of why we should support our state and national affiliates and even our local affiliates. I don't know if you guys maybe have a little bit of advice that maybe they can see a different perspective on it because I feel like sometimes mine's one-sided because I do get very passionate about it. So just kind of y'all's thoughts on that and not necessarily Tennessee. It's one of the reasons why being part of your state affiliate society or being a member of the ASRT, it's why you're paying for something different than what a lot of people think they're paying for, right? A lot of people join, particularly the ASRT, because they know we have top-notch, excellent continuing education. I mean, we meet your needs, whether it's state requirements, whether it's CQR. But that money that you spend for membership is much more important in terms of elevating and protecting the profession. And so one of the first things I would say about that is, yes, there are 18 RAs. I can tell you our government relations department does a significant amount of outreach. They're tracking pretty much a thousand bills at any given time. We send out thousands and thousands of requests for medical imaging professionals and radiation therapists to get involved when there are things happening in the states like Tennessee. The problem is if you're not tapped in and you're not a member, you might not even know that's happening, right? So if for nothing else than to be tapped in to understand what is happening with your profession and how to protect it, that is one of the most significant values that comes from that membership. There is so much behind what you are supporting in terms of your profession. And the example you gave is a perfect example. Did they even know? Are they members? Did they receive the notifications? Did they know they needed to show up to protect their profession? I don't know. If you're a member and you're getting the notifications, you sure do. Advocacy is its own worst enemy. Because you don't have to be a member of a national, be it state or local society to benefit from the work they're doing. The work that the ASRT does, appreciated, unappreciated, noticed or unseen, benefits the 350,000 technologists, therapists and mid-level providers that are registered and working throughout the world. So that means it doesn't matter. Sometimes my dissatisfaction is high because my contributions are less than my accountability. And I don't mean that to be a shame aspect. Where you pay $125 for does not cover the value created, nor is it intended to. It's intended to be reasonable and say, this is what the discount looks like. When the pandemic hit, for example, we watched a lot of organizations crumble the $125 or plus whatever you subscribe to with the ASRT, that price didn't change. So your dollar didn't inflate. Those were relatively hard times for a lot of organizations. 
the ASRT hadn't increased dues in almost 10 years, even when it could have been justified. But you have a the business side of the house and the society side of the house being the C-suite leaders and boards and the House of Delegates, 168 people who said, we will preserve your value and we'll find ways to be financially and fiscally responsible outside of transferring that to you. So when people ask what you do for me, I realize that I give you the benefit. And I say, I, I mean, the volunteers and the employees create value even when you choose to discount me. So my advocacy for you is not contingent on your belief in me. And sometimes people will never understand what that looks like because there's not been enough discomfort for people to realize that there's an opportunity for you to be a contributor to the value that you don't see. If you're not happy with what you inherited when you got into the profession, make sure you leave something worthwhile for the people that you're writing a will for. The reason why I, as I've been told, drink the Kool-Aid is because I came into the ASRT and more interested in contributing. I can get my CEs anywhere. I know I'm not supposed to say that with my CEO on, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's a benefit of membership. That's not the center or the purpose. We talk about the scholarship. I just got an email tonight about the scholarship breakdown that's going on with the foundation mm-hmm. and how that's invested in students, professional development, philanthropy, and a lot of other things. How people are uneducated about what the ASRT does and really confuse it all now with the ASRT and the ART. The organization as a business should attend you as a customer, but you as a professional should attend to the society. Who do you want to be? What do you want to see? If the organization isn't doing that, that means you pull up your seat at the table and then we can speak to what's for dinner. I don't mean that to discourage any, but the ASRT has only been a point of satisfaction for me. I joined a community of contributors and I see what goes on behind the curtain. And I appreciate that because the ASRT is a shell, but the professionals who empower it are the organization. And I'll stand on that any day. I've always seen membership as advocacy. I don't think I've ever tapped into the CEUs. There's a lot of things that I probably have not tapped into with the ASRT that a majority of your members probably do. ASRT's tracking map is like my favorite thing in the world. I love to watch it. I love to see how the bills are moving. You guys have this wonderful blue that kind of shades out which ones are priority, which ones are not, which one's encroachment. I mean, you can easily just slide through it and find exactly what you want or click on the state that you want. I also love that you guys have the state laws there, all the way from the RT laws to any of them that are related to our industry. And so I think there's so many things that the ASRT offers. It can be as individualized as you want it to be, but it's so open that it reaches to everybody. I know that we've talked about leadership programs that you guys have on there, avenues for advancement, ways that, you know, if we decide, hey, you know, I want to further my education, how can I go about that? What avenues are available to me? And then you guys also have the advocacy that y'all have started up. I'm actually intrigued to do it. I want to see what I would learn. You mean our new series, the Engaging New Technologists, the four-part series on advocacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that because, you know, we already had the Online Advocacy Academy, our OLA, um, which is a 10-week commitment and there's a limited class, but we really wanted to help bring everyone into advocacy and help them understand the basics and how they become a better advocate. So that Engaging New Technologists is a fabulous program. It comes from one of the strategies that the board set forth. 
in how do we bring the next generation of advocates up? So you're right. There are so many programs to assist with becoming an advocate, whether it's that short mini series, whether it's the long 10 week program. We also have the Committee on RT Advocacy. We're always looking for volunteers. It goes back to sort of the behind the scenes that everyone doesn't see. We are talking advocacy hours out of every day and protecting the profession, right? Whether it's through creating that tracking map, tracking thousands of bills, providing education, it's important. It is our profession. And if we're not willing to step up and protect it, then it starts with us. It does. It absolutely starts with us. And like Brandon said, right, we have to be willing to step up and explain who we are and what we do and what our value is. One of the things that I think is so critical is that as medical imaging and radiation therapy professionals, that we are advocates for ourselves on a daily basis. I'm not in the clinical setting anymore. When I was, I explained who I was when I met my patients. Now what I can do is I can go to meetings and I can talk about it us and I can do podcasts. Thank you very much. But also, you know, I can talk to my neighbors. I can talk to my family members. I mean, we have to be educating about who we are. That's how advocacy starts. I mm-hmm. think one of the most important value points that we often overlook, people who are not RTs that are employed by the American Society of Radiologic Technologists become engulfed in this culture of advocacy. And when I tell you, you have people that understand medical imaging and radiation therapy from a value standpoint better than some registered technologists choose to recognize and see to the point, not only are they putting out competitive quality things, when you talk about people as outstanders in our marketing department, You talk about some of the philanthropic work that's being done by our foundation. This is not a requirement of employees at the ASRT, but ASRT employees donate to the foundation that directly contribute to the uplift and elevation of medical imaging and radiation therapy. When you ask what value is created, so behind the scenes, the name of these people who you may never know care enough about what you do and how you contribute to their care in their community, that not only do they work and choose to be employed within your profession, they're also willing to give back even when you don't know who they are. That's a benefit that you couldn't pay somebody for on the best day. I would say that's probably one of the best things about this organization is that it is so purpose-driven. Every single department has a statement that they created that describes the value that they bring to promote the mission. And they feel it viscerally. Like Brandon said, I mean, we have a significant percentage that donate to the foundation. Whenever we have meetings, we talk about how closely we are all touched by our profession, right? If you ask a room of people, how many of you have had any medical imaging or radiation therapy procedures? A lot of hands go up. And then if you ask them, have your family members? And then you ask them, have your neighbors? There is almost nobody in the room that doesn't raise their hand. We are such a significant profession that touches nearly every life. And the employees at the ASRT feel that purpose. I wish I could have them all on here. In the scanner, of course, the ASRT scanner, there is just a short article about the staff at the ASRT, but there's going to be a whole feature in the next scanner about all of the departments and what they say they feel about their purpose and why it's so important to them that they're working for you every day. I have the best job in the world. 
That's awesome that y'all are going to put the faces yeah. of the ASRT, you, right, Reese? You, you just took the next question right out of it. I can be patient. I can wait for the next scanner to come out and read about this team. It's just amazing. Amazing group of people. And I appreciate everything they do. I know when I'm talking about ASRT, especially to new techs, and I'm just trying to promote, you know, get involved, be involved with the national societies. The younger generation, they're all used to having data acquisition at the click of a few buttons and boom, it's instant. It's there. That was my takeaway when I first got started is I would gladly pay the 125 just to track and transfer those credits. And of course, I doubled down, went back to RA school. Now we have to do twice as many, but they provide so much more. They have a ton of resources available. That's why I keep trying to plant these seeds in these new mm -hmm. techs that come through. There's so much more. Uh, you just don't see it yet. They were not big into advocacy whenever I went through my program. And so you didn't really hear much about it other than just be involved within your profession, right? And I think it actually was even before I went to RA school was when I learned and realized that politics plays a huge part in your career. And it is a constant. If you think that you are never being looked at on a legislative aspect, you're wrong. There's encroachment of all kinds that can take place. And it's so hidden really well. Learning to read that, learning to look at it, learning to understand it, knowing the pathways in which you can practice. I don't think I understood any of that until I actually tapped into it. And so I think when a lot of people think, well, we're all talking crazy here, right? The Kool-Aid that Brandon brought up. But once you understand it, you realize this is one of the most important aspects of our job. You want to be recognized and respected for the job that you do. You have to be willing to stand up for it. It's not enough to just say we're not getting it. I find it really interesting when you do get individuals that talk about how they don't feel like they're getting the recognition that they should be receiving. And it's kind of like, OK, well, what are you doing to get that recognition? Are you having advocacy talks with everybody? Are you praising your own profession? Are you lifting them up? Are you inspiring them? That's where I see our professional organizations with the money that I give them and them not even having to give me anything in return. Knowing that I'm a part of that and they advocate for me is enough for me right there. So one, because I know people listen to conversations like, well, it's very ridiculing. What we notice, regardless of the value creating the reports that are given, we still have to champion the opportunity to be more articulate and to communicate effectively because our impact has to be bigger than our egos. And so if you don't see the value, that means we're not creating. But what I would ask and dare to challenge is do not subject yourself to be underexposed. Put yourself in the middle of the radiating work being done. That's important. Expose yourself to it. And I say something I know people cringe at. So what? You don't believe in community. So what? You don't believe in the profession. I would even encourage people to, at the very least, basically be selfish. Care enough about yourself or what you want to see for solely you that you're willing to show up for that. By being selfish and showing up for you, you by default show up for a community. No, I agree with you 100%. I think all of us are a little bit selfishly advocating, right? It's all an agenda that you want to see your career safeguarded. You want to see your career advance. And so I do call my membership fees my investment. It's an investment to myself. And at the same time, it invests back to the I other think, members. I think it's very interesting for people to claim they care about entities or external things 
before they have some self-concept of worth. That doesn't make sense. You tell me that you have this empathy for your patient, but then you can't see the value in the person who's helping you with moving him. That you can't see the value of the person who performed the diagnostic screening on your mother's mammogram that saved her life. That you can't see the value in the radiation therapist that held your grandparents' hand as they went through something that was very foreign to them. That you cannot see the value in the mid-level provider that came in the room and explain to you what other providers may not have to let you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, not because things may go your way, but somebody cares enough to be there for you. So you can tell me through all of that, you can care for more adverse things and not care for your allies that contribute with you every day, but it's easy to ignore the things that create value. We pay so much attention to disruption I think that people are doing the best by us. And if they're not, hold them accountable. Brandon, you bring up a good point. Marceline, when you say that you see it as an investment, one of the things that I want everyone to hear is that we don't take that investment lightly. And to Brandon's point, you don't see everything that we're doing every day. Our purpose, my purpose as the CEO, this board's purpose as the board of directors of this organization, the foundation's purpose, our employees' purpose is to advance and elevate and protect the profession. We would love to find a way to be able to get to your ear every single day and explain everything that we're doing, but we can't. I I can't tell you how it makes me feel when you say it's an investment because I've already said this, but we take that so seriously. I promise that we are so hyper-focused every single day. You know, we were just talking about this earlier, talking about the RA in particular, and you all might not know, but I actually started the RA program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill when I was a professor there. So I feel very responsible to the advancement and promotion of this profession. It is not just because it's our mid-level provider and we need advancement opportunities, but to the RAs as people. And as professionals who are making a difference. And so it might look like things are quiet, but we were just talking about this. We are on calls with our partners, with the ARRT, with the SRPE, weekly, if not more than weekly, continuing to strategize and fight. And so the fact that you're willing to put your trust in what that investment is producing without always needing to hear the answer on a daily basis of what's happening and understanding that we are working for you and waiting to see that result, but not only waiting to see, but being willing to also do what you do here. This is a significant investment in time and work for you to be able to get the word out about the profession. So thank you. To say that it's an investment, I can't tell you how much I want to honor that. To our listeners, I can tell she's serious because she's getting a lot of color in her face right now. She's very, very passionate. I'm trying to portray how serious she really is. <laughs> like My face is kind of red, isn't it? <laughs> I'm very serious. Look at a little passionate in this podcast. <laughs> you know, when you love what you do, the more I advocate for our profession, the more I fall in love with it. And the more I advocate for myself, the more I start advocating for those around me. It has this amazing reach to it where you're very quick to help them. I find that I'm happier at work. I don't know. I just Mm. find that it makes things more positive for me. Like, I feel like I have some sort of control over how things can go in our profession because I know I have a voice. 
it definitely embodies you. You stand taller. You are more proud. And I think you're happier where you work at. Engagement is education. And people don't realize that you only stay as informed as you are disconnected and distal. And so when I listen to you say, you know, I'm happier at work, it's not because the job changed. It's because sometimes you have to step in and actualize what my purpose is. I'm tapped into this, that this matters. I said it before, ceremonies end and plaques tend to lose what they're worth when you forget what the story behind it is. And achievements are short-lived if they just belong to you. I guess I'll put it to you like this. Somebody asked basically what it cost at the end of the day to do this. And I said, at the end of the day, I'm not home as much. Anybody who loves me knows that the time I spent away was if they ever become a patient, that the difference in between their quality of life, hopefully some part, a small part of the work that I do, the problem won't be diagnostic, therapeutic, or interventional care. If people I love decide to become RTs, RAs, therapists, sonographers, nuclear medicine technologists, whatever, that they found a profession better than I found it. And I don't feel like I found it in a bad place. And then if the things that we do matter, but you hope that you did something that made it worthwhile because we're all going to become patients. We're all going to love a patient that's subject to what we do. And do you really want that procedure to be performed by somebody who's undervalued? There's humanity in your expertise. Stop separating who you are as a person and a professional. It's the same profile. I think so many times we hide who we are as our teams. It's not impressive. It's not a worthy conversation. It doesn't matter. We've been conditioned to crop our RT out more than anybody else. But it's my foundation. It's basically what made me, what built my transferable skills to become the person you see today. And so until we find value in things like that, you make a difference every day. A chest x-ray, you might have taken seven, but you don't know what that meant for that patient. Ultrasound is one of the most autonomous uh, modalities we have. And I don't mean this in any way. I celebrate all professionals, but sometimes impressions and worksheets miraculously become final reports, not because of somebody's inability, but because there's a partnership and a trust in between a provider and a medical imaging technologist to say, I may not see sometime what you see, but I trust you. If our job is to manifest images, we are doing a disservice if we cannot manifest our own. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Collaboration RA. Remember to find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. There you'll find our social media accounts. Give us a like and give us a share. We look forward to your support and thank you for tuning in.